What's up, guys? <coughs> oh, Combat Addict here. Welcome to another edition of Combat Review, the MMA podcast. Um, we got some stuff going on in the world today. We got some stuff. How are you guys doing? You guys doing good? I hope you're all right. I just had a sparring session with my little brother and my little cousin. It went all right, except at the end, I think I hit my little brother, or not, I think. I know I hit my little brother a bit too hard, so I'm disappointed in myself for that. There's a level of control that you have to have with your sparring partners, and when you don't have it, it's a little bit embarrassing, um, simply because you've got to keep that competitive spirit in check, and if you don't, you shouldn't be sparring, so... That's um, that kind of sucks, uh, but other than that, it was a it was a nice sparring session, and uh, a nice rule of thumb is to always go as hard in sparring as your sparring partner does. Uh, but if you're going at a if they're going at a pace that's like a little bit too much for you, you should always just say something, um, and and don't get caught up in tit for tat. You hit me, I hit you, because that leads to to a straight up gym war you need to calm down and just sort of evaluate the situation take your time and uh, maybe just back out for a second just back out for a second reposition yourself and go back in fresh with uh with a less competitive mindset because uh i have i i've i've prided myself on not hurting my sparring partners and not going too hard on them and being a decent sparring partner um so the way i've done that in the past is just using those rules and today those rules failed me unfortunately so that kind of sucks but it is what it is at least we got some work in during covid we got some work in i'm trying to keep myself in line trying to go for runs when I can uh, train pad work with the with the family members when I can and um, it's going all right but the cardio is really hard to keep up when you had when you don't have anything to train for when you don't have any gym to go to to actually keep yourself prepped and ready so that kind of sucks but it is what it is we'll get through this man and uh, Hopefully by the time this is all over, we can just jump right back into it, jump right back into training and uh, enjoy it. Anyways, uh, Dana White has said that uh, this John Jones Israel Adesanya super fight may not happen. In his words, there are massive hurdles that these guys need to get over, so don't get excited about thinking about that fight. Is basically what Dana White has said. And I actually agree with Dana White here. Uh, this makes total sense to me. Um, firstly, the most obvious hurdle in my mind is that John Jones is going up to heavyweight. Now, if you don't follow John Jones on social media, it's clear to me, at the very least, that he has been working out and bulking up, putting on muscle so that he can compete at heavyweight. 
He's literally trying to build muscle, like throw muscle onto his body so that he can compete at heavyweight. Somebody who's doing that, I don't think is ever going to be able to even like make it back down to 205. I don't think unless he lets his body atrophy for like six months and then fights at 205 again, I don't think he's going to be able to go back down to 205 after this bodily transformation that he's going through. So people who talk about this fight, like I, I feel bad for them because I'm like, you got to realize that this is not going to happen when John Jones weighs 250 pounds. He's not cutting 45 pounds to fight Israel Adesanya, somebody who he doesn't even feel like he needs to give the time of day. Not to mention that Israel Adesanya still has to beat Jan Bohovich which I think he will, but that's not a guarantee. So not only does he need to beat Jan Bohovich, but he's got to hold the belt long enough for John Jones to do whatever he's doing at heavyweight. Then John Jones has to come back down to 205 and they have the super fight. Like mind you, John Jones, John Jones is not going to go up to heavyweight, take a fight, win a fight or lose a fight, whatever, and then go straight back down to light heavyweight just so he can fight Izzy. That's a waste of his time. He's not doing that. And John Jones isn't even going to get a fight for like the next year. Because we still have to get Francis and Stipe in the octagon together. And that's not happening until what? Like, March? Not even? I don't even think we've got a set date for that. So even if that was that was a fight that John Jones wanted, and even if Israel Adesanya does win in March, Izzy's got to somehow hold and defend this belt. Defend two belts, sorry. Hold and defend his two belts. For like eight months, while John Jones is is fighting fighting in heavyweight in the heavyweight division, I don't see how this fight happens. I really don't. I don't see how this fight happens like when it should. This is going to be like a Pacquiao Mayweather fight if it happens. John Jones is going to be old. Izzy's going to be old. Older, I guess is the word to put it. They're going to fight, and everyone's going to say it should have happened earlier. That's what's going to happen with this fight. At least that's my opinion on the thing. That's my opinion on the matter. Uh, we got Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Two coming up. That fight is exciting. Uh, my pick, unfortunately... My pick for who's going to win is Conor McGregor, but my pick for who I want to win is Dustin Poirier. I've said this multiple times. Dustin Poirier is a class act. Dustin Poirier has worked so hard, been so active, and really, really put it all on the line. He's fought some of the best people in the division and won against the best people in the division. He deserves that belt. Connor's already had his time in the sun. I, like I've, I've already seen Connor succeed enough. I don't need to see Connor succeed 
you know, again necessarily, even though it would be awesome to see him succeed again, because then it would just be adding to this myth, this legend, Conor McGregor, who's just unstoppable and unbeatable. But Dustin Poirier needs that belt, man. He had the interim title, and the interim title is just not enough, you know? It's not satisfying. The dude works too hard. He's too nice. He's too kind. He puts on shows every time he fights. Fan-friendly fighter. That dude needs a belt. That dude needs a title shot. And this fight isn't even going to be for the title. But I know that he's going to get a title shot if he wins this fight. And so I, I, I really believe... Really believe that he should win. And Dana White has said this. The winner of this fight gets to fight the highest ranked individual in the lightweight division for the strap. That's what Dana White has said. Which I think is a good decision. I think that's a fair decision. Uh, Simply because the dynamic of Conor McGregor is basically such that he lost his last fight in this division. And it was for a championship belt. So for him to come back immediately to fight for a championship belt, that's kind of BS. You know? So, if he wins, he should have to, he should have to, you know, just wait for that belt. Dustin Poirier, while I think he deserves the title shot now, is sort of got to be sidelined because of Conor McGregor. Just because, you know, we can't make it so that, well, if Dustin wins, then he gets the title, and if Conor wins, then he doesn't, you know what I mean? It's got to be even for both of them. So whoever wins the fight gets the next title shot. That's fair in my opinion. But but it is reasonable that Conor McGregor doesn't get to fight for the title after losing a title fight. That would be unfair. Let's give somebody else a chance to get get a, get a, a shot at that thing. But Dustin Poirier's strategy is as follows his words he says if you're talking about game plan what i want is for both of us to be dripping blood and hurting and suffering early in the fight then we can find out who the real fight who's the real fighter i want us both to be bleeding and really have to dig down and see who's the better fighter and see who really wants to be in there because i don't have a safety net i want to be in there and i know that I know that, and I'd like to find out if he does. Those are the words of a determined man. Those are the words of a determined man. Horrible strategy. Horrible strategy, by the way. With someone like Conor McGregor, that doesn't make any sense. Unless you're Nate Diaz and you have Nate Diaz's chin, that makes absolutely no sense i don't know why that's the strategy he's going with he's making this sound like he wants it to be a barn burner he wants this to be blood and guts he wants to fight to the death you can't do that with someone who's got one shot knockout power someone who's got one shot knockout power they're gonna fuck you up every time
And that's why I think he's going to lose this fight because stylistically, it's just bad. Stylistically, Dustin Poirier likes to box the hell out of people. You're going to try to box Conor McGregor. Good luck doing that for five rounds. Like, boxing Conor McGregor for five rounds is a bad idea. Especially now that we know he's got the McGregor Fast program and his cardio is on point. Like, this man is no joke. He touches you and your brain goes to sleep. So for Dustin Poirier to be like, yeah, early I want to be cut and bleeding. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. For you to be cut and bleeding early, he's going to have to hit you. Your plan should be to stay away from that left hand. That should be your plan. Not let's go in there and hammer hammer on hammer and, and, and see who comes out on the top. Because Connor's going to win that fight. I don't know why this is a strategy. It's a horrible strategy. And Conor McGregor is out here like, I'm going to finish Dustin Poirier within 60 seconds. Those are his words. He's going to finish Dustin Poirier in 60 seconds. Two very different ideas of how this fight is going to go. I don't know if he's going to finish Dustin Poirier in 60 seconds. But I don't think Dustin Poirier is going to be able to last a full five rounds with Conor McGregor striking the hell out of him. I I, I just don't, I I don't, that's not a good look for Dustin Poirier. Like you're going to get in there with someone who can turn your lights out with a tap of his fist. It's not, it's not a smart strategy, man. One thing I'm noticing about this fight, though, is that they're talking about this fight like Dustin Poirier's already lost. Like, they're talking about the fight like Dustin Poirier's done. And that's disrespectful. I mean, look, even though I don't have him picked to win the fight, I think it's rude to be just talking about Dustin Poirier, Connor, too, already. You know? Or sorry, Khabib Connor too already. That's sort of rude. Like Dana White is saying stuff like right now he's as focused as he's ever been. He's talking about Connor. If this Connor sticks around for the next year, how do you not do Khabib versus Connor again? If Khabib doesn't retire, then whoever the highest ranked guy is at the time, or, or if Khabib does retire, then whoever the highest ranked guy is at the time will end up facing Connor. If Connor beats Poirier, and then would fight for the title. Now, I'm, I understand he added that caveat, if Connor beats Poirier. But let's be straight here. He, he's looking to make that fight between Connor and Khabib. That's what he's trying to do. <laughs> They're disrespecting him, man. It's straight up disrespect. But I do think he's gonna lose the fight. I'll be rooting for him. We'll see how it goes. But I, I think he's I think he's I think he's spent for this one. So a former UFC fighter Spencer Fisher has come out and apparently he's permanently disabled and unable to work 
because of CTE. He says, I forget where I'm going. I have depression, dizzy spells, calling people different names, not knowing their actual names. My kids, I've had instances where I couldn't think of their names on the spot. My balance is shot. I have a hard time remembering what I did yesterday. Last week is a complete blur. Now, permanently disabled and unable to work. I'm pretty sure this guy is like 44. I'm pretty sure this guy is 44. And that's pretty damn scary. That's pretty damn scary. To already at 44 be experiencing that. And for those of you who don't know what Spencer, or, you know, Fisher looks like, this is what he looks like. This right here is the guy. It's times like this that I think to myself, even though it would be fun to do a couple of combat sports uh, competitions, it's times like this that I'm like, man, it's not worth it. Because I think even Spencer Fisher has said it was not worth it. It was not worth it to take all of this head trauma. None of, nobody ever says it's worth it. And that's the thing. I think that your immediate wants and desires sort of outweigh what you think is going to happen in the future because you don't actually really know what you're going to be dealing with. You're not entirely sure. It's only when you actually get there. It's only when you actually get there to the future when you see how bad it is that you realize what you were doing to yourself. And that's why CTE is so scary. CTE isn't even like, like, like cancer in the sense that when you are a smoker and you're smoking cigarettes, you can pretty much feel what's happening to your body. Like you can, you, you start to cough, you start to smell funny, your teeth go yellow. You know, it's clear there are indications that you're destroying yourself. CTE is way different. You're just walking around living life regularly and then all of a sudden you can't remember where your car keys are. It's terrifying. This guy's coming out and saying that it wasn't worth it. Everything that he went through, everything that he did. It wasn't worth it. Now, the UFC as an organization is collaborating with uh, the Cleveland Clinic and its professional athletes brain health study um, by donating a million dollars to the Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health in Las Vegas. So the UFC is doing something about this brain trauma thing. I mean, to be honest with you, a million dollars, 
I was kind of shocked. I, I thought it would be more than that, but but maybe I'm not realizing that that's charity, and you know what I mean. Like charity, charity numbers aren't supposed to be in the in the you know tens of millions of dollars. Maybe a million dollars is is a lot for them. Probably a million dollars is probably a lot for them. But Dana White has, uh, himself has said, "Listen, we're all learning every day about the brain injury stuff. We've been investing in this Lou Ruvo Center to try to figure out more. We're now interested about this thing. Just this thing just came out on Real Sports about psychedelics, and we've actually reached out to John, the John Hopkins guys, and we're diving into that. But listen, Fisher is not the first, and he's definitely not going to be the last." This is a contact sport, and everybody who's ever done this while younger, myself included, is dealing with brain issues. It's just part of the gig. That's cold, but you know what? This is why Dana White sometimes, like, sometimes I just think to myself, there couldn't be a better spokesperson than Dana White because he just gives it to you flat. He's like, look, man, like, that's what happens. What did you guys think was going to go down? What you thought like it was all going to be sunshine, sunshine, lollipops and rainbows and and people were going to just not have to deal with the fact that they've been getting punched in the face every day for you know 10 15 years? No, like this is a this is a contact sport. That's what happens. And I wonder how this makes other fighters feel. Like, I always wonder, does this make fighters question their vocation? Like, what they're doing? Does this make fighters think to themselves, damn, like, I'm really actually destroying myself and my future life. Like, I'm cutting my life in half. If I'm unlucky enough to be Spencer Fisher, I'm losing, like, literally 50% of my life because everything goes mentally for me by the time I'm 50. Is that worth it? 50 years of your life? Definitely not, man. Definitely not. Which is why I wouldn't be a fighter. I wouldn't be a fighter, man. Like, while it was, it's something that I love, something that I love and something that I would want to do, there's, it's like, it's like making a deal with the devil or something, man. Honestly. It's like it's like it's like wishing on it's like taking a wish from a genie bottle, right? Or a monkey's paw. There's always some much greater evil waiting for you on the other side despite how wonderful your wish coming true may seem. It's not worth it to be the champion of the world and to be decrepit by the time you're 50. Like, it just, it's just not. And how many of these guys are there out there that just don't have the platform to say anything or just aren't paid attention to, right? I mean, it's crazy, but it's... It's true, and, and I don't know. I wonder sometimes if fighters think about that. If they take in that they're they're losing all of that life. Especially people who fight like maniacs. 
Like, even Dustin Poirier. I'll be damned if Dustin Poirier doesn't get some serious CTE. He has been in some barn burners. If he doesn't get CTE, I don't know who does. He's going to have problems. He's going to have serious problems, man. Same with the Diaz. Same with Nate Diaz, man. And we're going to have to watch these guys turn into crumpled up shells of themselves. You know? And thank God that they entertained us for so much of their life, but it was just too much of their life to take away from them in a lot of ways sometimes, I, I realize, man. It's, it's really tragic. I mean, it is part of the game, but sometimes, sometimes it's a little bit too much of the game. So apparently Dana White is going to be cracking down on streaming. This is a big deal. At least for other people, not for me because I buy my pay-per-views, which is so much money that I could use for other things, but whatever, go ahead and increase the price on us, Dana White. In any case, he's saying that they've been working uh, proactively on piracy. And that he can't wait to see people cry <laughs> when uh, when they catch them, because apparently they've uh, they've caught a bunch of people who were streaming in the past, and they've threatened to to sue or something like that or or or, or take legal action, and people have literally cried and begged them not to, and Dana White is saying that he is going to love the opportunity, love love taking advantage of the opportunity to hear somebody cry and beg like that. Dana White doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would give a damn whether or not you were crying or begging. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what exactly he means by I can't wait to catch you guys streaming. He's probably talking about the people who are streaming, using the use, who own the websites who stream, you know? Like cracked streams. He's probably going after the people who own that. But individual people like you and me, I think we're, we're safe. But I just buy the pay-per-views, man. The reason I just buy the pay-per-views is because I think about it like this. Some people spend money on alcohol. Some people go out to eat every day or every week. Me, I like to watch the UFC. So for 70 bucks a month, I watch my UFC. That's how I think about it. I don't think about it like, oh my God, I got to pay this. I got to pay this. This uh, pay-per-view cost. It's so expensive. This is ridiculous. It's 70 bucks for four hours. It's like, look, man. You already know you're going to enjoy the pay-per-view. You already probably have the money to pay for it. Just pay for it, man. Just do it. Don't be the guy that Dana White hears on the phone crying. You don't want to bait a simp to Dana White. You don't want to do that. All right? Just pay for it.
That's my suggestion to you. That's what I say. Well, Jorge Masvidal quit Twitter because Donald Trump was taken off, was banned. And I think his last tweet was, not too many places I ain't been kicked out of. And since all the cool kids have been kicked off Twitter, follow the leader. Then he's got a middle finger emoji and he bounced. He's not on Twitter anymore. Now listen. I don't know what his political followings are. I don't know why he likes Donald Trump. Okay. But what I do know is that Donald Trump failed to control and handle a state of emergency not too long ago. If you're willing to follow that guy, you need to ask yourself some questions like A, why? And B, don't you think he handled the situation poorly? Can't you see why someone might want to kick him off of their platform? So now we are all punished and we'll never get resurrection tweets and super necessary tweets because Twitter decided to kick Donald Trump off of their platform. That's just, that's just sad. That's just sad. One thing I will say is that I'm actually surprised and how many UFC fighters want to see and meet Donald Trump? Like, I think even Henry Cejudo wants to meet Donald Trump, despite what he said about Mexicans. Like, I just don't understand how that's possible, but I guess Henry Cejudo is a conservative. I don't know. Maybe he just believes in tax cuts for, I don't know, corporations or whatever Republicans do. I don't follow American politics. I don't know. But people have gone to meet Trump, like multiple people, like Justin Gaethje, obviously Colby Covington. I think even Valentina, wasn't Valentina Shevchenko? I feel like, she, I don't want to say that, like that's true. But I think she even went to meet him, even though she's not American. I'm not sure. That's probably not true. Anyways, Jorge Masvidal definitely did. But he's not on Twitter anymore. He dipped. Which I think is stupid. But we'll talk more about social media on Saturday. That's it for the pod today, guys. Real simple stuff. Real basic stuff. Combat Addict out.